Hi, this is John Barnes, and you're listening to Cop On. Hello, everybody. Hello, welcome. Welcome to Cop On Podcast, whether you're joining us for the first time or the umpteenth time. You are very welcome to sit down by the hearth, the roaring hearth, and on the comf- comfortable rug. Uh, get Make yourself comfortable, because I'm here with Joe. Joe is a Real Madrid expert who as a journalist, has had access to the Bernabeu all season. Um, and he's watched Real Madrid, the highs and the lows, and he's going to tell us all about what we can expect from, what are they called, Los Blancos or something like that? Is that what they call, Joe, in Spanish? Yes, I mean, yeah, the Whites uh, play at the, the Casablanca, whites. the White House. The, the White Blancos. House as well. Okay, brilliant. Okay. So, um. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Um, so, uh, Real Madrid, you've seen the good, the bad and the ugly this season. Um, and is it true, like, in their league form, have they done exactly the same as in their Champions League form? Because in their Champions League form, like, against PSG uh, and against Chelsea and against Manchester City, they were generally by far the inferior team, apart from about 30 minutes in each two-legged encounter where they became, you know, the best team in the universe. Have they had similar sort of multiple personalities in their league form? Not really, um, I don't think. I think that, you know, there's been the odd blip. They 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 lost 4-0 to Barcelona at home, which which was highly embarrassing at the time. And, you know, as Madrid fans tend to do, there was a bit of overreaction in the press really got on their back. But, you know, Real Madrid was so far ahead of Barcelona in the hunt for the La Liga title at that time that uh, in the end, it didn't matter. You know, it's the equivalent of Liverpool beating Manchester United this season, 5 at Old Trafford, but then Manchester United finishing 13 points above them, winning the league and reaching the Champions League final. So ultimately, it was a, that was a non-event and they've been fairly consistent in their league form. I mean, Technically, in their last four La Liga games, they've only actually won one, uh, which doesn't sound like great form. There's been two draws in there, including to Cadiz, who you know only just stayed up by the skin of their teeth, and they lost uh, to local rivals Atletico Madrid. However, you have to caveat with the fact uh, they've dropped three, you know, dropped points in three games there, but they'd already won the league title, and Carlo Ancelotti had you know got his side into a position where they won the league title and qualified for the Champions League. Finally, was doing a lot of resting and rotating and it was mainly kind of players who, you know, first team players going through the motions, getting through the 90 minutes, but ensuring there was no no injuries and nothing nothing untoward happening and just keeping up match sharpness for those last few weeks of the season. It's been a complete canter for them really throughout the league campaign. As I mentioned, they finished 13 points ahead of Barcelona, 15 points ahead of Atletico Madrid and 16 points ahead of Sevilla in fourth and you know those those leads would have been even greater if they'd have not taken their foot off the pedal in the last few weeks so Real Madrid's league form has been has been very good it's just that they've not been pushed by anyone the way Liverpool and Manchester City have pushed each other this season which ultimately means that I think Real Madrid go into this game with a lot fresher legs than Liverpool will I think we saw Liverpool looking fairly leggy uh, in their last few games, really, you know, they conceded the first goal, I think, in the last four games, Liverpool, and they had to come back and dig deep. And, you know, they looked very tired against Wolves, at, you know, at times. 
on Sunday and Real Madrid haven't had that issue really. So so in that sense, Real Madrid's league campaign has certainly not been as exerting. You know, you can't take anything away from them. They've won the league. So obviously, you know, it's a monumental effort and they've they've done very well and they've won it very well at a canter, but it's maybe not been the most exerting league campaign such as the one Liverpool have just faced. Very interesting answer. I mean, the other way of looking at that is perhaps they'll be lacking rhythm going into if we're going to be optimistic about it. I mean, yeah, that's certainly one way to one way to to look at it. There'll be an in inverted commas lacking rhythm. I mean, they have played some of their first team players in those games. It's not been that Ancelotti's just you know done away with it, sent everyone on holiday, and played the kids. You know, the side he named against uh, Betis at the weekend, barring maybe one or two players is the side I fully expect to see play against Liverpool next weekend. I mean, it was a, a boring nil-nil draw, but, you know, he, you know, he's named Benzema, Vinicius, Cruz, Casemiro, Modric uh, in that side. Of course, La Liga, they get five substitutions as well, as opposed to the, the Premier League. You had the bright idea of not introducing it this season just gone. So, of course, there's a lot more scope for rotation and rest and, and all that uh, for Ancelotti. So, in that sense, they might be lacking a little bit of rhythm in terms of sides have kind of just sides that they've played against haven't really had any horse in the race either. They've yeah, they played Cadiz who were battling against relegation, but you know, their other games have been against Betis, who were comfortably in the Europa League places, Atletico Madrid, they played a really um changed side for that one, and they absolutely thwacked relegated Levante six nil. So, so yeah, they while they might be lacking the kind of intense rhythm that Liverpool uh, will be accustomed to, they will be they'll be fully rested, as I say, and I think that's a huge advantage, especially when you consider that that midfield that they've got is not the youngest midfield in the world, and it would have really, really benefited from these last couple of weeks. Yeah, great answer. Although I'm I'm I'm, I'm getting a bit nervous. I mean, we were talking before we started recording about the. Uh, mercurial form of Karim Benzema, who just in the league, um, has, I was going to say in the present perfect, has started, but no, in the past now, started 31 matches and had one substitute appearance, got 27 goals and 12 assists in that time, which is which is madness. That includes seven penalties. Um, but still, let's say it's 20 goals and 12 assists from 31 starts. Um, Joe, you're also a massive red, which is very good. And there are three possibilities for this final. I think we're either going to see Virgil and Matip or Virgil and Ibu or Matip and Ibu because Virgil is, is still got this, this knee problem that he's been struggling with. Um, would you back or what combination would you choose to stop Karim Benzema uh, and maybe Vinicius Jr. next to him? Because Vinicius Jr. has 17 goals and 10 assists from 30 starts. So they're both the guys to stop, aren't they? Yeah, they are big time. Um, I think, well, I think that Liverpool can't go into this game without Virgil van Dijk. I mean, you know, when you're looking at the fact that Fabinho and Thiago and doubts going into it, you know, without van Dijk as well, you know, for... As good as Matip and Canate have been this season, I think we saw against Wolves uh, yesterday on Sunday that um, when Virgil isn't there and you know you're up against the cosh and you need a leader, neither of those two players are are that. They're more followers than leaders, which is perfectly fine, and they've both done extremely well when it's come 
when it's come to it this season and they've both had their best form when they've been playing next to Virgil. I I think that this is the big question. I mean, there's now several big questions for Klopp given, you know, the Fabinho and Thiago situation. I think that that's maybe... I think that the midfield links to the defence as well, in as much as Vinicius is Real Madrid's main outlet down the left-hand side. Uh, Karim Benzema is very good at not only just holding up play, but dropping deep and linking play and playing balls over the top to Vinicius and getting on the end of his crosses and pullbacks. So I think that the, the defence in the midfield for Liverpool is, is kind of one and the same, because I think that if it was a situation where Thiago was fit... I don't think we'd have seen Fabinho from the start. I think that Fabinho would have maybe just been a you've got 13 your legs type substitute and Henderson would have played in the six, Cater on the right hand side and Thiago on the left. And Cater, when he plays on that right hand side, is he does a lot of dirty work. It's a lot of the kind of Jorginho Wijnaldum role, which is blocking the passing lanes, closing down, covering Trent when Trent pushes forwards. Um, obviously now Thiago's not there, so I I would maybe expect Klopp to take a gamble on Fabinho for an hour, Cater pushed left and Henderson on the right. And Henderson's going to have to be really disciplined in that right-hand side role because Trent is obviously our attacking outlet. He's the one who who would create the most danger going forwards down that right-hand side with Mo Salah. And Henderson's going to have to be very much on the cover and watch Benitez, I think that maybe given the injuries in midfield and the problems you might have in midfield, I could actually see Klopp starting Canate, but only on the premise of the fact that we might be short in midfield and therefore pace is what's required to deal with Vinicius because he, he's lightning quick. And if Trent is out of position, Matip, um, for as good as he is on the ball, as, as, as silky as he is, and we all love those marauding runs forwards, he's not the quickest on the cover. We saw that, you know, even a couple of times against Raul Jimenez and Huang Hee Chan against Wolves, who aren't exactly a, a speedy pair on Sunday. So I think that he might go with Canate for the pace. However, uh, if the, the midfield had been fully fit and fully available, I think he would have gone for Matip. And I still think that Matip would be his first choice in normal circumstances. I just think that that extra pace that Canate brings is is something that we're going to need. You know, against Tottenham earlier this season, I think was quite a good, quite a good blueprint of maybe what we're going to see for the game. And I think that maybe if Klopp had his time again in that match, he would have actually started Matip ahead of Canate because I didn't think he thought that Tottenham would be quite as defensive and counter-attacking as they were. He obviously picked Canate uh, to watch the likes of Son and Kane and Kulisevsky on the counter. But we had so much of the ball that Matip would have been very useful. The only thing that, that you know, it, it's it's one of those things of, you know, I've, I've given this whole, you know, spiel on why I think Canate will start. But then I, there's just that little thing that thinks, I actually think that Real Madrid might seize quite a lot of possession to Liverpool, really dig in and have a deep defensive line. They've been caught out with a high line a couple of times this year. So, they're not going to want to give our, you know, our speedy pace merchants up top any room in behind. So I think that Liverpool might enjoy a lot of the ball. And I think that in that sense, Matip would be the better option. It just depends on what Klopp thinks Ancelotti's game plan will be. And there's merit for both of them starting. And I think there's also a thing there where you say, you know, should Liverpool start with Matip and go ahead in the game? There's always the argument there. Well, what you can do is you can then bring Canate on for Matip as Real Madrid looks to stretch the game and look to get him behind and have that recovery pace there. But I think at the minute, 
given the midfield injuries, I'm just siding with Canate. He didn't have the greatest game against Wolves and he looks nervous throughout, but hopefully that's just, that was maybe, you know, because of the crowd and the general atmosphere in Anfield, which, you know, if you listen to people who were there said it was a bit manic and, you know, Canate was by far not the only player whose head appeared to go a little bit, but that performance yesterday may have just put a doubt in Klopp's mind about selecting him. It's a difficult one, because, but I don't think he was that bad yesterday. I mean, I think Raul Jimenez was was excellent at sort of, you know, winning the ball. But I thought Konate, he, he tried his best. He was, he was um, you know, he was always there. He was always present. He was always trying to win the ball. He did a couple of times. And, um, you know, apart from the big mistake he made for the goal, that was a, you know, a, a very obvious error. But... Um, you know, apart from that, his his passing accuracy, for example, even though he only played simple passes, but having a 98.7% passing accuracy compared to Joel Matip's 90%, little things like that could really help us against Real Madrid. I would I would agree with you that for the, you know, for the for the recovery pace, I think we're going to need him because uh, yeah, you're absolutely right to point out how how Matip struggled against Wolves against Neto before. Uh, Neto uh, unfortunately got injured for them, um, but yeah, okay. We're, but now I don't know. We've spoken a little bit about things that make us, you know, a little bit sort of, you know, timid going into this match. But then let's turn it around and and flip it around and see what Real Madrid are going to be scared of. And I, I'm looking at their defence. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I imagine their back five would be uh, Thibaut Courtois, of course, and then the back four defenders would be Carver, Hell, Militao. Nacho and Furlong Mendy is that is that what's going to happen? Um, David Alaba will play instead of Nacho. Oh, Alaba. Ancelotti, Ancelotti's already confirmed. He he has been out injured, but Ancelotti has said that Alaba okay. will be fit and will start in Paris. Okay, so Alaba's starting in Paris. So Alaba and Militao in in, uh, in the centre with Mendy on the left. Yeah, or Mendy Nacho on the left, Carvajal on the right. Okay. No, it'll be Militao right. and Alaba who've actually struck up a really impressive partnership. This season, yeah, they've too. really not missed Sergio Ramos whatsoever. And that's credit to David Alaba, who's who's come in and you know, taken Ramos's number, huge shoes to fill at a club of, you know, the man who was a club legend and club captain, but he's done he's done phenomenally well this season. And he's a really experienced head, you know, he's won the Champions League a couple of times before he knows how to get the job done. And he's yeah, but hang on, hang well. on, hang on, Joe. You're making me. You're giving me the willies again. You're making me, making me nervous. I want them to be scared of us. Will they be scared of us? Because you know, like you said, that La Liga is not necessarily at the same level as the Premier League. You know, like it or or not. You know, it is. It is sort of a rung down. And surely they haven't faced a front three, which would be you know Diaz, Mane, and Salah, or perhaps Mane, Firmino, and Salah, or you know a combination of of our brilliant players? I don't know. I think they would, would... Do you think they'll be a bit scared of us and they'll have special plans? Well, I'm certainly sure there'll be, there'll be special plans. Um, I actually did mention before when they lost to Barcelona 4-0, obviously they were without Karim Benzema, who was a huge loss, but they did yes. play there with their first choice, more or less their first choice back four or back five when you include the goalkeeper as well. And they were really, really caught out by a high defensive line which is quite an uncharacteristic trait from Ancelotti. He's normally a much more defensive mind. He normally sets up his defence a lot deeper. And that was really interesting to see. And I think it was maybe due to circumstance of them, you know, being so far ahead of Barcelona League, playing at home, wanting to put on a show in front of the fans. But 
they got absolutely terrorized by Aubameyang's pace in behind. And, you know, for, you know, as, as wonderful a player as Aubameyang is and as good as a goal scoring record is, um, he, I, I wouldn't put him on the level of certainly Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane. So in that sense, you know, they, they will be wary. I think that they will look to, to sit deep. And do you know how Liverpool have struggled at times against sides who've sat deep, haven't we? To, you know, to pick the lock. And if Thiago's not going to be there, then that's another obstacle. However, it's not all doom and gloom. Because if you look at, you know, Real Madrid's performances against sides who got very good front lines, Paris Saint-Germain, they in the fact they only won that first leg 1-0. One, one at the Parc de Prince is, a, is all, nothing short of a scandal, really, given how dominant they were. And then PSG caused Real Madrid all sorts of bother in the first half at the Bernabeu as well. Went ahead, should have probably had another couple of goals, and then ultimately the, the magic of the Bernabeu took over. Manchester City, who don't play with, you know, play with the forward, as we well know, caused them lots of bother, scored a number of goals against them. So there is there are gaps and there is there is room manoeuvre there and there is certainly stuff to be exploited for for the likes of Salah, Mane and Diaz, Jota, Firmino et al. Unfortunately, no Origi. <laughs> yes, that's such a shame. Yeah, absolutely. Divock is going to be out, but you know, it gives it gives an opportunity for another Red to become a legend. I, I think if, for example, I mean, you know, Taki Minamino gets the winner off the bench or something, then we're all going to go crazy for tacky. He's going to be tacky mania, mina mania. But um, the, yeah, I mean, looking at their Champions League results then, I mean, they they lost early season to Sheriff at the at the Bernabeu, which is pretty weird. Uh, but then they came back in the next match and beat Shakhtar Donetsk 5-0 and they beat Shakhtar again 2-1 and they beat Sheriff 3-0 into Milan. 2-0 as well and in the first game against Inter Milan they won 1-0 so um that's pretty good and then you as you then we got into the knockout rounds I was there at the Parc des Princes PSG were by far the better team um they looked old uh they looked um clueless really you know they were trying to defend but they couldn't and that's something that gives me great heart the fact that Chelsea even Chelsea managed to score four goals in two games against Real Madrid. Manchester City got five in two games. And is this, you know, is it likely to, even though Real Madrid will sit back and try and hit us on the break, um, it's just going to be a question of, you know, can we score more than you? Yeah, I think that that's what it's what it's probably going to turn into. One of the things that Real Madrid have really benefited from this season is, you know, as I mentioned, the magic of the Bernabeu. They... They've kind of been inferior to to most of their opponents for large spells, especially in the knockout stages. You know, PSG can feel very aggrieved to have not gone through Manchester City as well. They just have these moments. They have these mad half hours, which completely change the change the way games go. But that is, in a large part, much like Anfield does for Liverpool. That's in a large part down to the Bernabeu and the Bernabeu crowd. So they won't have that. But then I also think that maybe takes the pressure off Real Madrid slightly and that they'll be able to play a bit more defensively. You know, you said you were, the, you were there in Paris and they set up very defensively that night, didn't they? They really set up with a view of, we want to keep this down to as few as possible and try and get you back to, to the Bernabeu to, to turn it around. And I think that maybe that's, we'll see that kind of setup from them this time round. Um, you know, there's, as we've said, there's vulnerabilities there, which which Liverpool will take will take hope from and the fact that 
know it's going to be a kind of even distribution of fans in theory, but expect to see more red shirts than than white shirts as well. So there won't be the added uh, the added bonus uh, of their of their home crowd and that atmosphere, which which can only only count in Liverpool's favour. Excellent stuff. And what what something else that could act in our favour? I've been thinking about. <coughs> excuse me. Is is Mbappe uh, at the last minute choosing to stay at home, doing doing a sort of Stevie G, uh, deciding to stay with Liverpool and not moving to Chelsea, where he could have got more glory, maybe. Although PSG obviously win everything domestically, but could that play into Liverpool's hands in that they're going to be reeling a little bit from on the inside of the fact that and and maybe you know, slightly doubting themselves as like, you know, the top destination in world football if Mbappe's turned them down and all the financial things, all the financial implications of of him, of him, you know, not being able to sell their shirts next year and the popularity he would have brought to the team. All of those things, do you think they, they might combine into being being an advantage for Liverpool or, on the other hand, um, will it spur their players on more to prove to Mbappe in Paris that Real Madrid are the best team in the world? Yeah, I think that certainly the latter is probably more applicable. I think that they're going to want to have the, you know, we've come here. Look at look at what you could have won, Killian type thing. This is you know, this is what you could have had. I think that obviously from a club point of view, it's very embarrassing for them. Is probably the way to say you know they they've briefed the media for years, essentially, not months, but years about how Mbappe is going to be a Real Madrid player when his, when his Paris Saint-Germain contract expires. They've, they've been on the case. There's been countless front pages. You know, there's been a lot of talk about it. And ultimately, it's a huge loss of face for a club that really isn't used to being told the word no. And I think that that's probably hurt them a little bit, but I don't think it will affect. I think the players are probably too too professional for it. I think the players are probably, they could put that at the back of their minds. I don't think that it will necessarily affect the players. There might be questions about it from the press to Ancelotti in his press conference, that kind of thing. But I'm not too sure that it will have that much of a negative impact. And as you say, much like Liverpool kind of just missing out on the title to City once again can spur them on to Champions League glory, as Klopp said, that this makes them even more determined to win. Well, I think that maybe the players would would certainly enjoy, and there'd be no irony lost on them if they were to go and show Killian. You know, we're the champions of Europe. We knocked you out. We've won it fourteen times, and uh, and here's what you could have won, but you made your decision. Good luck to you. Yeah, so maybe they'll they'll get in touch with their sort of Spanish interior Jim Bowen from Bullseye. But okay. Um, Chua many as well might choose Liverpool over Real Madrid. I mean, I don't know, maybe let's hope so. Or really, Chua many is an absolute, absolutely wonderful prospect, um, according to everybody in France who, who works, who I've spoken to, who work work in football. They, they all think he's superb. But uh, OK, um, <laughs> the lineups then, I mean, you, we've talked about the defence, the midfield presumably will pick itself with Cruz Casemiro. And Modric, and then up front, um, will it be, um, I think you said before, but sorry, I've forgotten, would it be Rodrigo with Benzema and, and Vinny? Uh, well, this is probably Ancelotti's one selection dilemma ahead of the game. Uh, Rodrigo has been 
hugely, hugely influential and important in the big moments this season. Scored against Chelsea, scored against Manchester City, that incredible double. He's finished the season incredibly strongly. However, in the big games, in the big Champions League games, Ancelotti's picked Federico Valverde, who's actually a central midfielder. He's not a he's not a forward, he's actually a central midfielder to play as part of a nominal front three, but it becomes more of a kind of four four two with Valverde who's got an absolute engine on him. You know, he's like a young James Milner in in, in that sense, uh, with his engine. I'd say he's incredibly fit, he's incredibly fast, he's direct. And he would likely start, I think, on the right-hand side of Real Madrid's front three slash midfield to mainly help Carvajal out against, you know, the potential threat of Luis Diaz and Andy Robertson bombing forward. And to kind of have a more of a 4-4-2, especially when they're out of possession, Valverde joining the attacks when he can, making those late runs, you know, arriving onto balls on the edge of the box, as we saw, you know, Gerard do throughout his career. So... I think that's how he will go. And he'll have Rodrigo on the bench as a as an ace up the sleeve. However, you know, Rodrigo's been there, he's been important, he scored some crucial goals for them. So neither of them are bad bad options to have, but I think he'll go for Valverde given the given the game state and what Real Madrid will look to do. Very interesting stuff. Thank you very much. Um I'm just gonna ask you a final question. Um, what are you looking forward to most? Uh, in, in in the final, what do you what what do you really, you know what what can't you wait for? There's so much to whet the appetite. Um, so what's uh, what are you you know looking forward to chowing down on? Oh God, well I mean I'm a, an incredibly nervous fan, um, so looking forward is maybe a uh, maybe a strong way to put it. I'll be I'm very <laughs> intrigued to see. Um, Trent Alexander-Arnold's role, I think maybe from, from a Liverpool point of view. I'd be very interested to see Trent Alexander-Arnold, how he could influence the game or if he's able to influence the game because I think we can all agree that when Trent Alexander-Arnold plays well, Liverpool play well and invariably Liverpool win when Trent Alexander-Arnold's on the front foot and playing well. And, you know, Vinicius is going to look to exploit the space he vacates. So I think it's going to be a really interesting kind of head-to-head there with Vinicius and Trent, both in an attacking sense and, of course, in a defensive sense for for Trent Alexander-Arnold trying to keep out uh, one of Europe's, you know, form, form attackers this season. Trent, you know, he gets this, what I think is kind of undue and unfair criticism that, you know, he can't defend, you know, so I think it's very lazy to just label him someone who can't defend. I just think he's asked to play so high up the pitch and probably isn't given the cover that, that he should be getting. And I think that's maybe a question of when, you know, the two of many questions there of he could be the legs and the, the man to play on the right-hand side of midfield, he could help cover those gaps. I think that Henderson's not necessarily the most mobile on that right-hand side of midfield and he's not necessarily the most energetic getting back. So I think in that sense that, um, that Trent versus Vinicius down that right-hand side is what I'm potentially looking forward to however if you've cast your mind back to last season when Real Madrid knocked Liverpool out of the Champions League Trent had something of a a nightmare against Vinicius and he was caught out a number of times even you know he set one of the goals up as he attempted to to head the ball back to Alisson and it was just it was a couple of games to forget for him and hopefully he's he's ready to put to put that right this time round um I'm also intrigued to see just how um 
you know, Ferland Mendy and Danny Carver Hull can potentially deal with Mohamed Salah and Luis Diaz, uh, who we all think is probably going to start. And then, of course, I think one of the key battles is Virgil van Dijk. Is he going to be fully fit? Is he going to be, you know, 100% match sharp against yeah, Karim Benzema, who, who's been probably the standout player in world football, uh, certainly this calendar year? Very interesting. Although, I'm going to add uh, my uh, my tuppence to the mix and I'm going to mention again Sadio Mane. I'm just really looking forward to seeing him. I think he's been on fire for a little while. But uh, no, it's been absolutely brilliant, Joe. I can't wait. I'm also a nervous fan. Um, I'm also going to be going through several stages of panic between now and Saturday. But at least these several stages of panic will now be much better informed. Now I know a lot more about Real Madrid. So thank you so much uh, for joining me today. And uh, there you go. Is there anything that we've missed that you would like to say? Or No, just that um, as a nervous fan, I'm, one thing that I maybe things I'm looking forward to seeing, the one thing I'm maybe not necessarily looking forward to seeing is potentially James Milner for all the love in the world and as brilliant a servant as he's been to Liverpool Football Club. I don't think James Milner should be starting a Champions League final in 2022. And I think there's a very realistic chance of that. And in the midfield, oh. where I think maybe legs and energy is going to be the key, that's maybe something that would have me quite nervous if I saw him on the in the starting 11. Now, I know that's a terrible thing to say. and It's not. The it's an awful thing to say, Joe. How to dare say. you? However, this is... This is the way I think and the way, and the way I am. Uh, and, That's and, fine. But I have my my opinion on Milner anyway as a fan is that I do think Liverpool should probably... I mean, I know he's an amazing servant and he obviously is brilliant behind the scenes as well, but I do think there comes a stage where you need to cut the cord with players. And I think that maybe Liverpool are at, should be at that stage with Milner um, just because mm-hmm. I think that... I think that in terms of... I think it's just his age, to be honest. I think if he was a couple of years younger, I'd have no issues. I just think that, you know, he's 36. He's obviously looks after himself incredibly well. There's a lot of miles on the clock there. And I think that, you know, in these kind of big games where he's clops go-to man or go-to first substitute, you know, that's all well and good. But, you know, the likes of Harvey Elliott, Curtis Jones, and obviously now Fabio Carvalho, who's just joined today, uh, today being Monday, uh, has been announced as a signing for Liverpool for next season. I think that we need to maybe blood in the next kind of generation of midfielders who are, you know, who've, who've grown up in a clock system and who are maybe a bit more mobile. But that's that's obviously okay, Joe. Okay, okay, but, okay. But I'm, I'm going to try and change your mind here. Couple of stats for you: uh, James Milner's in the 98th percentile for tackles. In the last 365 days, the 90th percentile for clearances, um, the 98th percent for expected assists at the same time. So he defends, he attacks. He's in the 95th percentile for passes attempted. And more than that, our midfield, when we played Manchester United and we beat them 5-0 away from home, our midfield, if you recall, was Milner, Henderson, and cater and i for one will be very intrigued to see how they do even yes i know that fred and mctominay and whatever other bozo united had in midfield that day would be you know not on this in, in the same sports as modric casemiro and cruz but 
I think Milner still, he still got it. He still got it. I mean, have I made you feel a bit better about Jimmy yeah. El Burrito Magnifico? <laughs> yeah, you have. You have made me feel better. And I do, I maybe need to take back a little bit what I said. I think I was probably too harsh. I just think it's, um, it's let's call it pre-final nerves and just annoyance. <laughs> Moreover, right. that Thiago may not play and he's just oh, been such a know. wonderful That's... footballer to watch. Uh, and just That's unfortunately, unfortunately, the issue with Thiago, much like Naby Keita, is he's just not quite been available enough for Liverpool in his Liverpool career. And I do think that midfield is a place that Liverpool really need to look at strengthening because, you know, you've got a couple of injury pro players in there. Henderson's also known to get knocks and be out for a while. And you know, once once your first choice three are, are stripped out of there, it does look a little bit a little bit bare bones. And I think that that's a place that Liverpool need to work on. However, you have made me feel a bit a bit better about uh potentially seeing Jimmy Milner line up in a in a midfield three. Although I've also seen Modric, Casemiro and Cruz play against Milner and Henderson in Kiev in two thousand and eighteen and and they played a different sport to those two guys that day. So that's probably why I so have such reservations about it. I just think it is incredible that four years down the line uh, from 2018, we could be seeing five of the six starting central midfielders from the 2018 final all start again, all be four years older and all have still be at the pinnacle of their game. It's absolutely excellent. And the one person, person we haven't spoken about who's, uh, uh, you know, a clear upgrade um as much as i don't want to treat loris carriers harshly but alison ramesses becker will be between the sticks for us uh thank you very much joe it's been absolutely marvelous hearing uh all, all about real madrid uh thank you so much for joining us and uh yeah i don't know yeah let's go you know you'll never walk alone you can put the nerves in the bin and take the james milner scarf and hat combo to the final. Where are you going to watch it? Uh, I'm going to be in Paris. I'm going to be in the stadium. Nice. Excellent stuff. Well, there you go. In <laughs> Enjoy. Enjoy. Uh, and uh, yeah, speak soon, I hope. Thank you.